Hello, everyone. My name is Wes Bush. I'm the author of the book on product-led growth. I have my co-host, Ramley, and we have a very special guest here. His name is Moritz, who's the founder of Refiner.io. And so today we're going to be talking about a really fascinating topic, which is just about why your product is the new SDR. So it's a big statement to really say that your product is the new SDR, but we're going to really kind of break down of why this is the case and hear some of our thoughts around this. So for those listening that don't know anything about you yet, can you just tell us a little bit about how you became the founder of Refiner.io? Yeah, sure. So first of all, thanks a lot for having me, Wes. And so it's really a good moment for me to speak here because I'm super excited about our product. But as you asked, like I'm Moritz. I'm the founder of uh, Refiner.io. We launched Refiner.io last year. And so basically the idea of Refiner was born when I was bootstrapping my last two startups. So the last five years, I spent bootstrapping two B2B SaaS products from zero to acquisition. And both of those products were self-service SaaS, where we started with a product-led model right from the beginning. But uh, quickly, we wanted to go up market. So we decided we wanted to do inside sales as well. And so we had this good running self-service product and wanted to start with inside sales. And I looked at the solutions which were out there and I was not really happy. And this was where Refiner was born. And so... After starting my last startup, I made a little break, but quickly after I started refining the Dio, and this is how I ended up here with you guys today. Awesome. I love that story. And for those that don't know, can you just give us a little bit more of a background behind Refiner.io and what it is that you guys are trying to solve? Yeah, sure. So the mission we have is basically to identify the people in your free trial, uh, the, the, the users who are using your free trial or your freemium product, we want to identify those users your sales team want to talk to. So the idea is basically you have many leads coming into the door, trying your product, and some of them are qualifying for self-service, but others might actually have the need to talk to salespeople. And so there are basically two approaches, like, Either you can call all of them, your salespeople will just go through the list and try to talk to all of them, or you will use a lead scoring solution or lead qualification solution, which will tell you that you should prioritize these guys over these guys. And this is what Refiner does, basically. So our goal is to, technically speaking, we are monitoring the users. We are looking at what the users are doing in the product, and we are trying to get as many data points regarding their demographics, firmographics, what kind of tech stack they're using. We merge these two together and then you basically tell us who you want to talk to and we tell you who's matching these profiles. This is what Refinance is all about. It sounds like what you're talking about is that, you know, these are the traditional SDR role. And prior to this, we chatted about how you think that the product is the new SDR, which is a very interesting you know, statement on its own. I'm curious why you think that is, why product is now the new SDR, especially as product-led growth is starting to be adopted by a lot more companies. Yeah, sure. So yeah, first of all, I'm totally aware that this is a, a stretch, you know, like <laughs> it's a bold statement. I know it. We were looking at many uh, job descriptions of SDRs. And so we were going through the task. What, what, what is it that they're actually doing? 
So they want to, they should connect to the lead. They should get info from them. They should qualify them. They should educate them and put them into the right direction and push them down the funnel in the sales pipeline. Okay. I know a software will not replace an SDR. There are so many nuances to it. And I mean, there's so much value in talking to people. Again, I think it's a bold statement. But if you look just at every task itself, and then you take the product-led growth approach or the methodology, there's so many similarities to it. So basically, you are already in contact with with your lead because he's using your product. So that the first contact is made. Secondly, you have many, many data points already at your fingertips. So you know if they are already getting value from your product. You know a lot of them uh, about their company because you maybe ask questions during the sign-up or later on with uh, in-app surveys or during the onboarding, extended onboarding process. You can also then educate them. And with all this data, you can also automatically more or less qualify them because you can say, look, he's actively using our software or he or she is actively using our software. They are fitting our demographic profile. They are getting value out of it. Or for example, they are a long time user and it seems like they are using our software even more. So we maybe want to upsell them. So you have so many information in a product-led approach at your fingertips that I don't want to say the SDR is not needed anymore, but many pieces of his work are actually already checked. Absolutely. And so... I want to dig a little bit deeper into this because I think the whole role of selling in a product-led business is very different than a traditional sales-led company. Where, I mean, if you look at a sales-led company, it typically starts with a demo, then that is when they will talk to the SDR. And then maybe it's an account executive, they're a good fit. So selling is very much a very big process throughout that whole interaction with the customer. And so with the product-led business, How does selling change? Yeah. So I think in the product-led world, at least what we see often is selling means basically it's a sales-assisted process. You know, like most of the process is done through the freemium or free trial. Most of it is done in self-service. But then there might be this one meeting you want to have with the prospect where you basically, yeah, it's a tipping point. So like it's a sales assistant model where basically the role of the salesperson is becoming shorter or quicker and the product is um, doing most of the job and the human interaction is basically to push them over the fence, more or less to, to, to close the deal. So to answer your question, while in the traditional model, most of the steps are done by humans in a product-led approach, the human interaction is basically just one piece at a certain point where you're going to maybe upgrade or upsell the lead. That's a really interesting topic about when should a human interaction come into the whole process? Like when is that moment? You know, I guess it really depends on the company, but should it happen earlier on or is it a certain point where like it's time to push that lead over to become a customer? Yeah. So I tell you a funny story. We had actually one customer who said, since we started calling everybody, our conversion rates went down. So this is completely counterintuitive because what you normally would expect is, well, if you put in more resources, tell everybody and talk to everybody or try to talk to everybody and then your consumers go up. So I think in, in really in some cases it might be counterintuitive because if you sell a very easy to use product, but then tell people, yeah, well, you actually need to talk to somebody, then that's against the idea of product-led growth. 
first of all, and it's not helping. So yeah, as you said, it definitely depends on the product. What I just think what often is overlooked is also when somebody already converted and you want to do a renewal or maybe upsell them or upgrade them. So this doesn't need to be during the trial or freemium. You can also maybe um, schedule another demo later on to show them the specific features or yeah, put them on a higher plan. Yeah, I think that's it's really interesting thinking about like where does sales really involve themselves in this process? I always have one question that I, I think a lot of people should ask themselves whenever thinking about sales. And that's really just should, like, is this person adding value or friction? And I think for a lot of companies, they don't ask themselves that enough. They think, oh, we got salespeople, let's use them. And in that particular case that you had, that's very fascinating just to hear that even if you were to go out and kind of hunt these people down when they sign up for the free trial, that actually didn't help you because you're adding a lot of extra friction. And when you think about sales, I'm with you in the the whole mindset that sales is, you still need it, but it's just where can we add a ton of value with this person? Maybe it's, I know for a lot of product-led companies, especially when they start breaking into enterprise and they start seeing, you know, there's maybe tens or hundreds of people who are using their products. It's really just, well, how can we help them build a business case? Because some of those things, when you're going bottom up, they're actually really hard to do as a person. So for this whole notion of using your product to qualify your users, how do you even like, where do you even start on this journey? So our approach at Refiner is basically to say, keep it simple. Really like um, you might want to have two or three key events in your onboarding journey which tell you that the user who signed up to your product means it and he's invested and he's uh, actually getting value from it. This is in contrast to, to, to other approaches which are more valid for really high volume customers who, are, who have a high volume of leads, high volume of data, where you can apply data science, where you can apply machine learning and all this kind of stuff. We don't want to do that. We just say, keep it simple. So two things where you can start. You look at the activity. You look, what are they doing in your app? This is what mostly people refer to product qualified leads. And the second one is, do they match your ideal customer profile or ideal customer profile in the sense of, do they match the profile your salespeople want to talk to? Actually, is it like, uh, can this be become a high value customer? And so, for example, if you look just at the activity, you could, for example, say, I have a customer who's matching the profile of a high-value account, but he's not active in the app. So I want to reach out to activate him. I want to really make sure that there, maybe there was a roadblock. I want to basically really work on this because I think he can be a high-value customer. And there's another scenario where you basically say, he's not matching my ideal customer profile, but he seems to be very active. All the better. Okay, apparently he's uh, getting value from it, but maybe I want to talk to him and learn what are they? Because they're apparently they're not matching my profile, so maybe my profile is wrong. And then there might also be the case where you have a customer who's matching your ideal customer profile, and he's active in the, uh, during the trial. So maybe you don't want to reach out at all because you don't want to add friction, as you said. Maybe you just let it go. And so yeah. But anyway, we we think it can be really simple. Look at are they using the app? Are they activated? Meaning did they maybe log in once or twice? 
are they actively using the app right now? Or did they maybe send you really strong signals, like, for example, inviting their colleagues or uh, looking at the pricing page a couple of times? All these kind of events you can track. And on the side of the ideal customer profile, you can either ask for specific questions during onboarding or try to use APIs like uh, Clearbit, for example, to enrich your data if the data Clearbit provides is helpful to you. Got it. And so a lot of the people listing, they are using marketing qualified leads. And so right now, there's really an interesting conversation going on, at least within the product-led community around, do we keep the marketing qualified lead? Do we scrap the marketing qualified lead and just use something like a product qualified lead? Do we use both? So I want to hear from you, like, what do you really recommend for people who are building product-led companies? Like, what should they really do whenever it comes to qualifying leads and how do they kind of structure it within their organization? Mm. It's funny that you ended your question with organization because I think it's a lot about this. Like in the traditional world, you would have marketing and sales. Mm -hmm. And then in the product-led world, this gets a little bit mixed together. I feel like there's less clear boundaries between the two. And I mean, you could say basically that the product qualified lead is more or less like an extension of the marketing qualified leads. It's just further down the funnel. You could basically use the same signals in one global view saying, okay, he was, uh, they were very, in, uh, very engaged on the marketing side and now they're already using our product. What we did, I just can say what, what I did in my last startup is like we didn't ignore the marketing side, but what we actually looked at is where does the new revenue coming from? And then we tried to track back what channels are working and uh, what we need to do to, to get more of these people. So for us, it was, okay, I don't want to say that, for example, signups are vanity metric, but you can have hundreds of signups, but no conversion in the end. But what really matters is the conversions are really down in the funnel. And so I would probably look a little bit more stronger there, saying not just how many leads can I generate through marketing, but how many of them are actually upgrading and what needs to happen on the way between sign up and uh, upgrade, for example. I want to talk a little bit about that. You talked about inside sales in your last role, in your last two companies, where like you introduced that as you move up market, but you started off as self-serve. Like, when should that happen? When should you know, companies who start off self-serve introduce and start thinking about more like the, the traditional MQL with inside sales? Mm. Well, I just can say for us, it was just more or less becoming obvious. We saw more and more big accounts using the software, asking for more and more upmarket things like uh, SLAs and security audits and all this kind of stuff. So, so it was basically becoming obvious that in the pool of free trial users we had, there were really big accounts, potential big accounts. So for us, that was basically after, I don't know, like one or two years in. So we had a good running self-service product, a frictionless onboarding process. But then what we actually did is, I mean, inside sales, maybe not the right word for what we did. What we did was we called it proactive customer success. Really meaning identifying the best guys and then checking did they actually were they already in contact with us on customer success side on the support side if not then try to reach out and then we had a really light follow-up process so it was not this heavy heavy sales process which you would imagine it was more like um, identifying interesting accounts who are using already the product and then really make sure that they get the most out of it 
Interesting. And so I want to counter. So at the beginning, we said, you know, your product can replace your SDR. So is this like proactive customer success agent, the new SDR in your opinion? (laughs) Yeah, probably. But then in another way, most of the traditional SDR role is not there anymore because the whole qualification is done. Well, yeah, the customer success person is then maybe the one doing the interaction and the having the human contact by phone, but the qualification is mostly done automatically. So, yeah. Somewhat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah now, the reason I asked is I have been studying a lot of product-led businesses. One of the consistent things I usually see is there's this interesting group of people. They usually go by so many different names. I mean, like Zendesk calls them the customer advocacy group. It's exactly what you just mentioned, which is more proactive customer success. And what they're really trying to focus in on is how can we make these trial or maybe freemium users so successful that it really becomes a no-brainer for them to upgrade to the product. And so I think what's really cool about that particular kind of team is it's all just about making that trial experience and testing the product out successful so that people have a really good reason to keep evaluating the product and actually upgrade. And so on that front, have you seen the same kind of trends out of all the companies you're helping? Do you find there's like a proactive customer success team across a lot of different product-led businesses? Or is this just something new that you have kind of seen on your own end? No, definitely we see that. And it's what makes it a little bit difficult for us is like we we sold refine in the beginning as a software for sales teams. But in the product-led growth world, the definition of the sales team gets a little bit more fussy, you know, what you just said. And I think uh, I also agree with uh, two years ago, three years ago, we were talking a lot about customer success. And today we, we talk about product-led growth and whatever. So we're finding new words for the same kind of ideas, basically. And in, in our case, for example, uh, in my previous startup, Doc Parser, it was a very technical product. So the people we had on that front were actually more or less like solution engineers who were basically also uh, having a technical background and trying to make it happen for the customer, like having uh, helping them with the setup and all this kind of stuff because it was a very technical product. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, definitely. I, I think uh, what we said before as well, like what is the, actually the role of sales in this whole approach? I mean, for example, if you say the sales is earning commissions on which accounts would he get commission? How can you prove that this account would convert without him or with him or that his help actually really contributed to converting him or not? So all this gets pretty tricky in the, in the product-led world. So I'm with you to say like we are finding new words for what we call proactive customer success, but is this sales? Yeah, it's a, it's a huge gray area. And I've seen, at least across the spectrum, like most product-led companies, when it comes to this particular kind of role, where it's more about like proactive customer success, there's usually not like a commission on these accounts. And so it's really interesting. I mean, like there's a whole like hunter versus farmer analogy that a lot of salespeople focus on. And I think it's really like a good farmer role (laughs) where you're just trying to really help these people become successful. And so there's still enterprise sales in a lot of them. But I want to focus on that enterprise sales part specifically. So whenever people sign up for your product, let's say it's a big enterprise that'll sign up for your solution. 
how do you really hands off the product qualified lead? Like, what does that process really look like? Because, I mean, let's say it's the the old traditional sales led approach, how it typically will work. You get a demo, you get qualified by the SDR, maybe you have a call with them, and then there's like this handoff to the account executive. Mm -hmm. So how is this handoff different for a product-led business? Mm -hmm. I think one big advantage is that as you have all the data in front of you, you can basically pull out the accounts you want to talk to. So you don't need to actually wait until they raise their hand and tell you, look, we are a big account, uh, we want to talk to you. So, but basically you can monitor your, your, your signups and then if there is a big enterprise account in it, you should get active. So you're, you're pulling out them. And I think one thing you should all not underestimate is that some companies just cannot buy your software if they're not in a more traditional sales process. They are used to procurement, with invoice payment, they want to have the, at least one call with the security person in the company, and so on and so on. So I would go as far to say many, especially old traditional enterprise companies, uh, it's not compatible with a pure self-service. And actually, they're also not, ex they're actually expecting the hand-holding. So I think if you uh, identify one of these accounts and you know that they cannot do it on the self-service path, then I guess the sooner you can get to them, the better. So I basically would tell them, thanks for signing up. Let's make a call right away. Others might go really far in the way to, with a self-service, but I think there are many customers who, who their company structures doesn't allow for it, for the self-service. And so that's a whole nother can of worms, like whether you should be product-led or sales led. So I'm going to navigate away from that, <laughs> but I will end on one part, which is what is your one piece of advice to companies who want to become more product led? Yeah, I would basically just look at all the numbers you have, like the conversion numbers from marketing to sign up, from sign up to activated, and so on. And see where do you need to improve first. For example, I think in the product-led world, you need to have a really good product UX. So if you don't have that, don't do it. If people won't convert on their own, there's no sense into doing marketing for self-service accounts. So I think you should know that your, what I want to say is actually you should basically make sure to, to, that your, your funnel is working and that, it, that people can actually frictionless go from awareness to upgrading. And once you have that, I would say just uh, start simple, really. Like uh, don't over-engineer. Most of the time doing something is better than not doing the perfect thing. So I'm a big fan of just starting somehow. You can always iterate. There's no, no harm in that. Yeah, I, I really like that piece of feedback. And the other thing too, I always like saying to people who you know try it, but then they, they kind of back away is... Get a plant, literally buy a plant and then don't water it. See what happens. It just withers and dies. It's pretty depressing. But if you have someone take ownership to like, that's their main job, the water that plant, then it will actually grow. And so the same thing applies. If you want to become a product-led business, water what you want to grow. Put the resources towards it 
and you will actually see that side of your business start to grow. And so I think it's really that simple, but a lot of people, it's almost analysis paralysis. What do I do? But it's just start with actually dedicating, whether it's time initially or some resources to pursue that direction. And then it will really help you move in that space. And so this has been a fantastic discussion. I really enjoyed the whole notion of, you know, your product being the new SDR. I know it's a, probably a clickbaity title, but it's interesting. No, 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 not at all. And so I want people to learn more about you and what you're up to at Refiner.io. So where can people do that? Yeah, sure. Well, Refiner.io uh, is our website for our business. I'm personally active on LinkedIn and Twitter. So if you want to follow along, go there. I'll try to be much more visible. And as I said, we launched uh, Refiner last year. We are figuring things out on the way. I'm eager to talk with as many people as possible. So please reach out, really. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. You too. 